three. Do you want to do an intro two. there? Oh, fuck's sake. It's just unbelievable. I try. I try to be a little butterfly and flap, keep this in, flap my wings. This is the rant. Despite I'm broken. And I finally do a little, and you're thinking of a way, I can see you thinking of a way to fuck me during this rant. The beady little eyes. I was just thinking what animal does this, and it's it's not a butterfly. No one can see. I'm your host, Stu, with my co-host, Ed. Hi, Ed. Hi, Stu. Nailed it. And, of course, producer extraordinaire, Dave Mitchell. Um, how have you been, Ed? Yeah, good. In uh, last season of the pod, you had you had a, season, uh, a bit called Small Victories, but I think you had a recently pretty big victory, didn't you? The FA Cup final. FPL. You're the, you're the FPL champion for who farted 21-22 season. Yeah. Yeah, bit bittersweet because... That was a nail biter, and I won. But Liverpool was—I mean, it's basically a fairy tale ending for Man City. I mean, to score three goals in five or six minutes when they hadn't played well at all was was a bit of a downer. Yeah, Villa capitulated a bit. But what was your setup for the for the day? Well, I started with Liverpool game on the TV. Final score had all the other goals, so I had that on the laptop. The City game on the iPad wasn't bothered about the other teams to so switch that off. And then, did the Liverpool game actually finish? Oh, no. Once Liverpool went 3-1 up, I actually switched off the Liverpool game and just watched the end of the City game because they were like five minutes left. Uh, I watched it in a pub that had uh, hundreds of screens with just, just showing the Liverpool game and the Man City game. And basically, the minute Liverpool went 2-1 up, I think, everyone, it was like 90% of Liverpool fans, everyone just turned around and started watching the City game because that was more important. I didn't think that they would get back in it after that. Like, the emotional... You know, they they were burst basically almost as soon as the first goal went in. I think Villa just, you know, they didn't need to get anything from that game. Like if they'd have been fighting for a point, then they might have done more, you know, time wasting like they did against us. You know, shit housery, all, all the sort of stuff that you would expect. But they just sort of let City roll over a bit, um, and they also had ch- more chances in the first half. I mean, Coutinho's second goal was good, but Watkins, you know, I thought City made a mistake starting. Fernandinho at centre back, and it did it did sort of play out like that. But that you know, fine. Liverpool won two cups. They've got another big big one next weekend on the horizon. Can't really complain about City. You know, they got the most points in the end, um, despite Liverpool's pretty amazing run since the turn of the year. I worry about next season with Haaland coming in for City. But at the same time, if we keep all our players, then are you going to keep all your players? Though that's the big question now that Mbappe's staying at PSG. I think. That's going to be a wee bit of a worry. No, that is a worry because I, but previously I thought there's nowhere Salah can move to. I may have even said it on the pod. You know, basically, he can't move to Real, Barca. Don't see why he would move to PSG. And there's basically no other teams worth going to. Like, I saw something about Mane going to Bayern and maybe a swap deal with Nabry, but I don't see why Klopp would be up for that other than to change the age profile. But why would you mess about with? with a good thing basically 
I definitely want to keep those those players all for next season. Yeah, but his next season not his last season though. Yeah, so they need to extend extend contracts. Yeah. The other th- the other interesting point about the World Cup, after that's the the World Cup starts sixteen games into the season, and there's a fair few of our players not going. Most notably Salah. That could be pretty huge if if Liverpool do get an all right start to the season. You've got like a fully rested Salah coming in for the the second stretch. I mean, again, I think I talked about this on the pod last week, but. I wasn't confident this season because of AFCON. And then in the end, Liverpool did great since the turn of the year, basically. They did great over the AFCON period when everyone thought it would all fall apart. And then maybe just in the real clutch games, you know, we couldn't turn a couple of draws into wins. And maybe that was slightly catching up with it, you know, sort of a few weeks after it had ended. Obviously, Salah had sort of double disappointment in AFCON and um, World Cup qualifiers as well. If you if you're Klopp or if you're if you're Klopp and he Salah says to you, I'm not going to sign an extension and Real come in with 120 mil, well, yeah, it's a pretty tough decision, isn't it? Because Liverpool aren't PSG, they can't just knock back mad money. And yeah. Diaz has come in, he's he's obviously a star. 120 mil 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 would probably be the minimum. I don't know. We we're sort of relatively light on that right hand side because I don't think Jota is great out there. So, yeah, we'll see. It feels like we want to keep Salah and Mane for the next three years or so because we are buying young players, but we need a bit bit more... Um, Time? Yeah, basically. Experience, yeah. For, that, for them to, to feed through. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the business Liverpool do has been great. Um, so basically, almost every player we buy, you know, I think has been good, and and there's been a, there's been a good reason for it. I don't I don't know on the rumor mill who would be jumping out. I mean, I don't think there's been really rumors about that. You know, it's not. I don't. I've not seen many news articles saying, well, if Salah or Mane goes, then Liverpool are looking at this person. You know, I've, most of the sort of players they've been linked with haven't been in those those positions. Yeah, you never have the money. I mean, that's not criticism. It's just the players that you would want are probably just too expensive. Apparently, there was some chat that they asked about inquired about Mbappe, and yeah. I think Mbappe even said that. But um, just too much money. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how Real, you know, could afford it either. But the wages are insane. And well, it's interesting. I think Real for the last year have been offloading. Um, well, I think part of the reason they got rid of Ramos, Varane. Odegaard, um, there's fairly senior players they got rid of. It was all with a view to reducing their wage bill so they could bring in Mbappe. Yeah, so it's kind of his like wages must- would be like, you know, more than half a million a week. I mean, is it? Is it, what's he on? Is he going to be on half a million a week? Is it even more than that? It's a, uh, there's two. The, the highest number quote is a million, but I think the the more realistic number is forty million a year. Right. I mean, it's it's nuts to basically play in a farmers league, but that's up to him. Good luck to him. Yeah. <laughs> Bit of washout. I the problem is City and Liverpool are the best two teams in the world at this moment in time. So if you would accept it depends how if you, how much I mean he's got a good chance of winning stuff with Real because he's gonna improve them. But there's not many clubs you can go. Wait to. a minute, Real Madrid have just won their league and they're about to win the Champions League. I mean, come on. Well, they might win the Champions League. They'll be better with him, definitely. And they've got the history and all that sort of stuff, and and they do somehow have the resources to buy more players. But yeah, he would have been. He would have. He would have been. Like, they're owned by the state, aren't they? They're not owned by like the king. I'm not actually the king, but like it's massively backed by Spanish banks, aren't they? Yeah, and yeah, similar to Barcelona, they they just get they get by it with some dodgy accountancy. 
Um, but oh, it's all coming out now. Well, no, I felt a bit like that as soon as City won. It was just like, oh, stupid sports washing project. But no, I was, you know, they've, they've got some likable characters. Obviously, it's all in, intentional. And they've got some winners in their team as well. But uh, Is it City? Yeah. But they're, you see the, the, like, the, the pictures <laughs> of them like celebrating and there's like no fans there. It's just like embarrassing. I'm thinking a bitter dark turn. That's this ramble. <laughs> what? Well, just you, you started off being quite positive, but now you're sort of all the bitterness about City's winners come out. Well, no, it's because you were just saying about something about Real Madrid and PSG and that sort of thing. But you know, yeah, I don't, I don't like City. I don't think they're not the most. I mean, they're. I think they're a bit boring to watch. You know, all the media's come out and saying, "Oh well, can't call them boring because they came from two 0 down against Villa to win three 2 And you're like, "Well." You know, I still think they're boring to watch, but but people got like that a bit with Barcelona at one point as well, which is insane. They were boring just, to watch. They were well, just they, they just destroyed games. It, they, I mean, especially when you, the period when United were getting to finals and the Champions League, it was just like brutal to watch because you just knew it was going to happen for nine. Just minutes. they kept the ball, but one thing Barca did in that period as well, they always seemed to get someone sent off. Like I remember them playing against Arsenal a few times, and they were really lucky against Arsenal. Like Arsenal didn't have like an amazing team by any means, but they had like. Fabregas, Van Persie, solid defence. And Barcelona, like, yeah, just got really, really lucky against them. I remember Van Persie got a second yellow for, like, trying to score a goal when he was offside. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Just, like, yeah. Shit like that happened all the time. They they would, they you know, and they, I mean, they, they were good enough without, you know, 11 versus 11, but, you know, keeping possession against 10 men is obviously infinitely easier. So, yeah, it was... Um, no, I did see some funny stuff, you know, Jack Grealish and stuff being drunk afterwards. And he was obviously really keen, probably the most keen to win a, win a league title from their team having just sort of joined. And then I did see an interesting interview with him. In fact, all the stuff afterwards was was quite good. It was quite funny seeing Michael Richards dancing away. But Grealish had said, like, in the, in the previous game before that, he sort of felt like he was playing a bit more of his natural game because Pep's obviously said, like, you, you can't lose the ball. So you, you see that Grealish played for Villa and for England before. He was taking players on. And he doesn't do that as much. Like, quite often he checks back and passes the ball or, or does something uh, less risky. And they were talking about that. And then it was like, well, what are you meant to do? And Gary Neff was like, well, you've got to be like Mares. You've got to be able to take players on and not lose the ball at the same time. Which is, I mean, that's, I guess, credit to Mares and his sort of close control. But at the same time, I think Grealish is, you know, Arguably even more of an explosive driveler. <laughs> Ed with a bout of expl- <laughs> explosive drivel. <laughs> yeah, and also, and then of course, but you also you had your fantasy football victory. I mean, the real battle was, of course, for 12th place, which um which I went into with a healthy lead um over the, the producer. Uh but I think he picked me by about two points. I, I don't know, three points, something like that. I actually had a phenomenal end to the season. Smashed the monthly for me. Absolutely crushed it. With a few key, key, key picks. I was quite pleased with myself. But I wasn't paying any attention this season. I mean, my strategy with FPL is basically, I mean, I start sort of looking at the fixtures and try and get into it. Then I always pick three Man United players. And then as the season progresses, my transfer strategy just becomes sort by price, then sort by points, highest total points, then look at the fixture, and that's how I base my selection. It's really just a week-to-week thing. That's what you're up against, Ed. Yeah, I ended up doing that with fan team, but I'm glad I don't have to play fan team again. I suppose the stuff about FPL, yeah, so I won by three points, and 
I was potentially looking at taking a hit on the last game of the season. I got quite lucky in that I had 11 obviously starting players and two people on my bench that could play and ended up one of them, Alonso, wasn't in the squad. Someone else on my bench, I don't think, was playing. Yeah, it didn't start. So I had exactly 11 starters. Um, the first person on my bench was Coutinho, ended up scoring. So without that, I don't win the league. If I make a transfer, I was looking at bringing in Diaz before the deadline, potentially for Coutinho. So that would have cost me, you know, potentially 10 points. So that would have lost me it. So in the end, I took quite a ballsy decision of like not doing more transfers. And it, you know, there were a lot of one transfer on the last day. Yeah, just took out Salah for Son, which I would have done even if we didn't have definitive news on Salah, because I felt like he won't start. He'll come on last 30, just from everything we we sort of knew. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, as with every week, there's always sort of tasty punts. And especially if you're sort of, you know, on FPL Twitter, there's always people digging up certain players and, and you sort of want to get on that. But, or you don't want to miss out, I suppose, just classic FOMO. But um, no, I was happy with the, the maturity that I showed. And will you like to defend your title next season? Yeah, I mean, it is a slog, but then... I mean, it, it is all, it's, it, it's all consuming, but then I like listening to the pods. Like my daily week is listening to like th- three or four FPL pods. Like I enjoy, enjoy listening to them. You know, I, I'll always like football and football opinions, but it does take a lot of, it's a massive, massive time sink. Like I can spend ages and ages thinking about, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd like to say thinking about things that always directly influence what I end up doing, but. I mean, on that, you know, if you include like five hours of podcasts listening a week, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say how many, you know, idle hours I spend just looking at teams, looking at transfers, and thinking about stuff. I don't, I haven't used too many stats type things. Um, I had a membership of Fancy Football Hub, and that was mainly for injury news, and which isn't actually that good. The Fancy Football Scouts better, and just like. Uh, fixture ticker but hub also has and projections as well so i think the most useful thing is sometimes if you've got an idea of a player then just comparing their projections for the next sort of five or six weeks against someone else and they have like the radar things as well you know with expected goals expected assists and lots of other different things so it's quite quite nice sort of player comparison tool there so yeah i have enjoyed fantasy football hub but i've not been really part of any other communities i've got an fpl twitter account and i follow the people that i think are quite good on that but yeah i used to do fpl twitter but i became a little bit obsessed with it constantly refreshing it trying to get as much itk in the know info as possible before game week stressing about transfers and i I was then watching games and not enjoying them like i hated especially if you uh especially if you're like sport like a team like man united where the players are shit but you want them but they're expensive, so you have to, like, shaft your season. I mean, if you're a Liverpool fan, it must be great because you get to have, like, Trent, Salah. Yeah, it's not. And you're just like, well, they'd be my team anyway, and I get to support them, you know. Yeah, it's, it doesn't work like that. In previous seasons, it did, but, like, there's no edge to game. The, the best Liverpool players are usually pretty obvious, and everyone has them. So, like, being a Liverpool fan gives me almost no, no advantage. No, that's, yeah, that's not what I mean, though. What I mean is... Emotionally, you're not having to cap triple caps and yeah, no, and then yeah. have the thing where they're like, ah, 
oh, Salah scored 40 points. Yes, my FPL team is doing well, but oh, Salah scored 40 points, so Liverpool are even further ahead in the league now. Whereas you could just be like, win-win. Yeah, but then that has the opposite problem of, I mean, I like captaining Salah, but any time when I don't max out on Liverpool, it's not as enjoyable a watch. And I do, I do obviously not like Man U and, and most of my FPL mistakes are usually to do with Man U players, either, <laughs> have, ha, either having them or, or not having them. But yeah, I mean, it's intense and, and I, do, I do, you know, spend those Saturday mornings or Friday nights on, on Twitter and, and trying to make sure I've doing my last minute transfers and that sort of thing. So it is quite consuming. And at times this season, I've, you know, been like, oh, it's too much. But, um, and part of that is just the pressure you put on it. Like, ah, oh, fair enough as it is a small cash prize, but it's um, the prestige. You know, I was sweating it for the last sort of month or so. Like really, you know, every every single game swing was, was massive. Um, so you can, I mean that, that's just to win win our mini league with our mates. Imagine what it actually would like if you were sort of top one hundred. Yeah, but I was thinking of cashing the, the Ethereum out and just using that to gamble with uh, in in Vegas, seeing as it's basically money doing nothing. Right, it's doing nothing at the moment, but that's pretty short term. But on the poker, I keep telling myself I like start playing online again and do a trading site and try and get back into it get home from work and I just can't imagine anything worse than trying to like think analytically and engage where money's on the line. You yeah, know? that's basically why I stopped when I started my current job that I've now been in for like 13 years. Very but then I, so then I had like a grand or a grand and a half in my PayPal balance, but I then ended up spending that all on flesh and blood. <laughs> you not sell some of that? I mean, is that not good to I mean, my plan was to sell some magic cards and sell some flesh and blood to actually come up with some sort of bankroll for Vegas. But I don't know where I am with flesh and blood at the moment. Obviously, Larry's just got back from the Pro Tour and he's really into it. And that's great. The way that it it all ended um, at the last season, you know, I couldn't have asked for more, um, you know, because playing the game came in at a time when I sort of wanted something to do. Uh, and we went to a few tournaments and that was good. And the last tournament ended up being me and Larry, my buddy, in the final. So that all sort of built up to that nice sort of ending. And I was just really happy with that. But as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, I'm not super, super fussed about playing sort of every week at this point. And maybe actually I should be partly just to have something for myself and to be able to get out of the house and do something. But um, yeah, I've just not looked at it. And I didn't have, I've not really looked at the Pro Tour results that have been coming in in the last sort of week or two. But they have like other Pro Tour qualifiers coming up. And I'll go to the two Squat Scottish ones, and there's a there's a pro tour in like Paris. Um, but I just sort of looked at it, and the game is extremely complicated and intense, and it's constructed based. And like comparing it to Magic, I wouldn't spend loads of time on Magic, sort of going through ages and ages prepping for that. Um, so I did, it did make me question a little bit as to why I'm doing it with this game. But the, one of the big attractions of this game is. Um, it is all quite new and, um, you know, I guess by comparison, the competition's maybe slightly easier, or at least it is when you've got like a good um, TCG background. So, um, you know, able to just sort of come in with relatively little practice and do quite well. Although, to be honest, I'd like to think I could do that in Magic as well, if I put in probably a similar amount of time as, I've, as I have ended up doing in, in Flesh and Blood. Um, 
but no, Magic's still a great game, and I probably enjoy drafting Magic more than than uh, Flesh and Blood. And also the way that the hero system works with Flesh and Blood, there's only be one set a year that you can actually draft, so that's not quite so appealing. Although the next Pro Tour is split format, which is is kind of nice, and it's in Lille, so near Paris, easy to get to. Notwithstanding, yeah. notwithstanding the point I made about Vegas not having enough money, I'd be quite keen to just go to that anyway. Um, but yeah, the long and short of it is I do need to sell some cards and I just, oh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's the same thing about playing poker. I get in or switch off my laptop late at night and the last thing I want to do is, once the kids are in bed, is load up card market and try yeah. to work out, you know, conditions of various cards and all admin and faff that goes with that. But yeah, I, that's basically been on my to-do list for the last three months. Yeah, fab, fab I tried fab, but I didn't, just didn't think it was very... I thought, I thought it was a game for gamers. I didn't think it was a game for people like me that like playing Magic for the nostalgia. And it's pretty Magic, pretty simple to pick up and feel that you're competitive in, even though you're probably not. Um, whereas Fab, I felt the barrier to entry is pretty high. Like You need to be good straight away. It's quite a different model as far as where the costs lie. Like It's kind of dumb. having to, It feels bad having to spend £100 a piece on these sort of pieces of equipment and you generally need to have like four or five of them to get going with a constructed deck but yeah the game is more well not more complicated than magic but it, it probably is the average game is more skill based than, than yeah definitely because so. you start i mean you start yeah, and in, the, in the middle of a quite a complicated game basically yeah with all the equipment Whereas magic you ramp up so every a game of magic gets progressively more complicated yeah um, and you have games of magic where people multiplied and miss their third land drop like or you can play a game time. you can play it you can play a deck in magic that isn't complicated but it's still be competitive whereas i get the impression of fab that is less true well it's, it's this weird thing where some of the beat down decks are actually the most complicated to play and the control decks by comparison are relatively similar because you just have to you basically block with your entire hand every turn. But yeah, it's it is intense. So yeah, I just I think having something to do it, for me is good, but I I don't know if I have the, the time commitment to dedicate to it. And then it's more back to that thing about if you don't have a time commitment, then and I got I got this way with magic whereby then it would piss me off if I turned up to tournaments and didn't do as well as I want to do because obviously i don't have the time to play i mean i'd still turn up to magic tournaments and if it was a gp try and put in practice you know limited format and hold my own on the whole and then turn up to like friday night magic or whatever and just play drafts and usually obviously do fine in like a local draft even if i don't know the set so well and that was just fun you know having a few beers but well it would be nice to have made like a pro tour top eight in magic or been world champion but i don't i'm not like oh I'm going to keep playing Magic until that happens. And then in Fab, you know, if I was desperate to go to the PT, then I would have played out the final of, of the last one. Um, but I, I, I just wasn't. So I don't, I don't have that killer instinct. Oh. I, mem I remember when our pal Alistair, he sort of became much more casual, you know, playing Magic. And he was always just, I always used to see him at tournaments and he'd be like, oh, thank you for the game and being like very you know super nice to his to his opponents you know thank you for this experience he must have taken the piss of that 
we won't see you doing a limp handshake anytime soon, will we? No, no, you you never you never lose you never lose that. I mean, you know, you, you when you've been to a few GPs, you know, you know your way around. Yeah, um, I think there's very few uh, human interactions that I find more awkward than the moment where you sit down opposite your opponent, or I no no. Actually, the worst one is when your opponent sits down opposite you. You've already sat 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 down at the GP, squeeze yourself in, uh, you've got your stuff, and then your opponent comes down. Stuart, are you Stuart? Martel, pleased to meet you. You are three and two, yes? <laughs> You're just like, come on, Martel. You know I'm three and two. You know that we're in. The, uh, are you three and two? Three and a half. Ah, uh, been <laughs> I'm fucking paired up. <laughs> you know, like as you cannot make top eight, would you like to concede? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I find that very, very, um, very, very uh, tricky. Humanity. I mean, that's that's the good stuff. If you don't that like is, that, you if, you, if, you, if, you, if you don't like that, yeah, yeah. But I hate the niceness. I hate the two-two niceness. Hi there, George. Is it? How's your day? Wow, you know. <laughs> What you you, you asked the question? Down for a weekend with my son. Yeah. <laughs> you, How's he doing? He's two two as well. <laughs> when did you start? When did you start playing, George? <laughs> oh, about about uh, four weeks ago. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> you know? Oh no. What about you? Oh, I've been playing for twenty years. <laughs> that is the worst one. That's oh since yeah. Well, good game, George. Yeah, well, well, I just go and tell the judge I won. <laughs> oh, you've not signed the slip. <laughs> you put two 0 against your name, Miss. You, I was just. <laughs> good luck, George. Hey, son, I won. <laughs> yeah. That is the worst human experience. This is so awkward. <laughs> and then, and then going back up to meet all you, all you guys on four and a half. You know, how you, how you guys doing? Yeah, one, one. Yeah, you. That's, that is the worst. Going back up to your little cohort of mates when you're the shit park on two and three, and all your mates are fucking challenging. That is the worst. Yeah, but you know, it's like with, with doing exams and stuff, you know the person that asks has, has won, right? Yes! That's how, so true! How are you, how you, how you doing? I'm terrible for that. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm quite I'm quite bad for the, yeah, good, yeah, good. You win that one then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you like to play it, what, what What are you on now? Uh, X and O. What's that, five and O? What's that, what's that, five and O? Yeah. X and O. Yeah, that is just the the. There's nothing that gives you more exposure to different kinds of people than a Magic Grand Prix. I can't. Well, I can't imagine anyway. Maybe prison. That the reason why I was laughing so much there is that example was a little bit too real for you to do that. <laughs> Every time, you know how many GPs I've been to. Ah, uh, the worst one is I've been so many GPs. I've started well. Two and all, this is it. Two and one, okay. Do the math. Two, two, right? Well, uh, Ed, Ed, can six and two make? <laughs> can six and two still make it? Probably not. It can, it can, but we were out until two o'clock <laughs> last night. 
Um, <laughs> so you're never playing eight rounds. Oh no! Yeah, uh, but put it this way: if the, if they announced if Magic Grand Prix came back, I would immediately go to one. Well, especially a limited one. I immediately go. I think I think they are coming back. Mm. Yeah, I heard something about organized play, but I don't think it's on the same GP scale. I don't well, think Yarbers and Utrecht is going to be hosting one anytime soon. I don't, I don't know. But it's the same as poker. I mean, I get, I, 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 I would probably be happier trying to get good at magic and going to play in a something like that with my mates. I probably prefer to do that than get good at poker because, um, I, I sorry, spend my energy doing that. But it's the thing: finish work. What are you going to do? Load up arena and then just like really think about it, or spend your weekends actually going to um local game shops and actually playing like you're just not going to do it i'm, I'm not going to do it I just don't have the time or the energy well uh, some people just like playing games right i mean i yeah, you I play do. a lot of games to stay competitive if you're yeah. anything like me I yeah, you do it. but i guess the, the flip side is that if you're playing poker you're not you're not losing money you're just losing time right you're not really losing money if you're playing on arena you know fair enough yeah that's you have to buy a few decks but like if you have a, if you have a shitty if you run horrendously bad, you're not you're not losing money. You're just taking up time. But yeah, playing on arena for me was just like a more of a practice tool ahead of tournaments rather than something I actively enjoyed. And I've just not played on it for a long time now. I mean, I've just I've not played computer games really, apart from the amazing little Counter Strike month that we had near the start of lockdown. Good. I, I mean, I was never good at Counter Strike, but I did grow up sort of playing it at uni and stuff. So I, I enjoy the sort of nostalgia of that. Um, but no, I'd love to get more games of that going. So, on a different topic, I mean, this is one thing I, I wanted to ask you because we were chatting about this in a WhatsApp group that we've got. Uh, it's, it's in relation to the, the films of Tom Cruise. And um, I was really excited to go and see uh, Top Gun Maverick. Have you got plans to see Top Gun Maverick yet? I don't. Uh, I mean, my wife went to see the unbearable weight of massive talent, if that's what it's called, uh, last night. Um, well, I didn't get to see it, but she enjoyed it. Um, just, I think, all the overacting and that sort of thing. Um, I think her pal that she went with didn't enjoy it as much, but I was quite jealous because I've wanted to see that for a good few weeks. But it's not popular enough a film that you know ends up being on at like nine thirty, you know, like a random other time. So. But, but you didn't grow up as a, a Top Gun fanboy, did you? No, no, I've seen it. It's yeah, it's about planes and shit. Yeah, this is this is this is <laughs> bullshit. I just don't. I mean, I just do not understand how everyone our age doesn't love Top Gun. You you love shit action movies though. But well, no, I don't. Top Guns, I don't, I don't Top accept Guns, the premise of your statement. I reject Top Guns, the Top Guns before your time, anyway. No, it's not what. How do you know what my time is? Well, it's 1986, isn't it? So you'd have been, what, two? <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that I saw it in the cinema. I'm just saying that I grew up in an era where Top Gun was a prevalent film. You know, in fact, my dad had the cassette, and when we would drive to school, when you drive us to school, we'd listen to the themes. Right, so that's, that's where your love obviously comes from. It comes from that father-son bonding, okay? Tom yeah, Cruise and the, the Austin is the soundtrack. Tom Cruise is obviously 
Well, the soundtrack know. was a gateway drug to Tom Cruise's various other films. Well, this is what I don't get, right? There's, I can't think of a normal action movie that is so that that evokes such a visceral hatred in certain. I mean, people love to mock it. No, I don't mind it. I mean, it's 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 in the canon of of eighties films, you know, like Big and and other shit films that age really well, badly. It's nothing like Big. It's a comedy. Yeah, because it's Big, not Tom Hanks. So the better Tom. I think that is not debatable. You're Tom right Selleck, Tom Selleck as well. Tom Jones. <laughs> nah. What is with this? But seriously, people people have this thing about Tom Cruise, where they think that Tom Cruise is like a a bit of a joke. He is I a joke. <laughs> <laughs> He's a fucking five foot Scientology nut. Hang on, right? His height is irrelevant. That's that's racist. Second of all, um, his religion is <laughs> racist. You know, well, whatever. Like, well, yeah, but, put, put, putting the white man down. <laughs> as far as as far as his films go, he makes good movies. He's a you know he makes just good movies, good action films, and some good dramas as well. I've got the IMDb up at the moment because I thought the question was coming. I. Would have to say Rain Man, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm He's actually excellent never... in that movie. Genuinely excellent performance. His peak time. This is you probably went back and what his peak time probably was. A few good men. The firm. Interview with the vampire. Mission Impossible. Ninety two. I remember when Days of Thunder came out. Actually. Um, Days of Thunder is not great, in my opinion. Do like the Vanilla Sky Minority Port. Wow. In my head, they were much earlier than that. Vanilla Sky is 2001. Um, Last Samurai, of course. You need to have a banter choice in there somewhere. And that's it, really. Valkyrie. <laughs> Jerry Maguire? It's, yeah, Jerry Maguire's... He, You've not yeah, named he, any bad films there, except Valkyrie, which I've not seen. So it could be good, but I doubt it. It sounds like it's Tom Cruise playing a Nazi that saves the day, which doesn't sound particularly realistic. Well, he, he, he very much doesn't save the day. Um, yeah, Jerry Maguire, I think, is probably up there with Rain Man. You're not saying anything controversial. You're saying that Rain Man and Jerry Maguire are great films. I mean, that's like... I'm not saying they're great films. In fact, I'm now having to open up the individual page. Uh, okay, take a guess at what the IMD rate, rating of Jerry Maguire is. That's not fair. I don't, I'm not going to... guess. I'm not going to guess. <laughs> okay, I'm going to guess based on my knowledge of IMDb, but I want that's to... Fine. Record that's fine. Noted, this is not what I think of... 8.9, 9.2-ish, 9 Jerry Maguire. 6.2-ish. 6.6. 6. Like 6. The, God, the Godfather or whatever's top doesn't even have that. I'm not an IMDb whore. I'm not like, ooh, IMDb, what's the Neither am I. The last time I spent a considerable amount of time on an IMD forum was at least 15 years ago. Look, it's the only one of us that's got an IMDb credit, mate. I'll tell you, it's not all it's cracked up to be, okay? You're not on the pod, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Get back in your box. Right, so what's what's your what's your that's six what's your guess? Six point six for Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I no, hate myself. No, no, no. much higher. It will be. It'll be seven. I want to say seven point four. You know what? I'll, gonna... go se I'll go seven point three. Yeah, let me change my guess. Please. And it's seven point three on the nose. Okay, that's next annoying. next one. Rain Man. Seven point nine. That's a that is that's a nice line. I like that. He's gonna say um, eight. I might. 
I might even I might even go seven nine. Is Rain Man an eight? Wow. I mean, is it a meme? This is the problem. In this day and age, is it just a meme? Or is it actually a good movie? Yeah, of course it's a meme and a good movie. It's both. Queens, yeah. Queens, lots of Queens. Is that not the line? That's gotta be a meme. Oh, cocktail. No. Um I'll oh my god, this is tough. I think seven nine is a good guess. Just can join me with seven nine. We can win together. Okay. I think it's gonna be seven, eight, seven, nine, or eight. Well, that's three, so you gotta pick one of those, Eddie. Oh, seven nine, seven nine. I'll lock up the victory. Oh no! It was eight. Ooh. <sighs> yeah, I had a little bit more faith in TC. Right. And also Dustin Hoffman, who's excellent in that film. I'm a way to downvote. It's a good game though. It's a good game. Good party game. game. Get Tom Cruise IMDb ratings. It's a good game. But I think he did, I think his movies are consistently just very watchable and accessible and good. And I just don't understand why people I think people have a view about him personally and they bring that into the movie. Yeah, I'd put a few good men above eight. I'd say it is there. It's gotta be one of them. And annoyingly, I looked at uh, I, I went on Amazon. <laughs> Uh, Prime yesterday to watch Top Gun to rent it and it has the IMDb rating so I'm pretty sure it's 6.9 so I can unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately have to rule it out I mean you, we know Jerry Maguire's 7.3 yeah so. I'm struggling a little bit um, so you've got to think of a film that's actually good as a film yeah. rather than I've said a few good men I think that's a good film objectively I think it's a good film um, and it's also got like one of the best movie scenes of all time in it yeah, so, so it's a meme. That's what I mean. You just remember that's that. That's not one a meme. Look, if you can't handle the truth. Oh, fuck off. What do you mean? What do you mean? Right. I'm, it's, it's a few good men, one of them. No. Fuck. Okay. Uh, you'll, you will never get it. Number two, aka actually number one, is Top Gun Maverick. Coming in at 8.6. Well, that makes so, it's not even released, is it? I know, I know. And there and there should be a rule where you can't give an opinion on a movie as far as debating whether or not it's one of the all-time greats until like five or ten years have passed. So what's the other one then? Well, you might you might be able to get the other one. The other one strikes me as like yeah. The eyes wide shut. No, it's on. It's on the similar lines, though. Uh, is it uh, far and away? No, but if you look at the the director, if you look at the cast, you know it. It screams, "IMDb, darling." I can't think. Uh, I would need to go into. You've the probably tank. not. You've probably not even seen it because it's not an action movie. I'd, I'd have to go into the tank a little bit and okay. think about it. Um, is it Magnolia? Yes. Okay, where's a few good men? Seven point six or something like that. It's, I mean, that's it's, utter, I mean, that's it's a bit bollocks. further down. It's utter bollocks. People just don't have taste. That's all that is. That's just a bunch of people that are like, oh, Tom Cruise, you don't like him. Discounting the brilliance that is that film. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is a great pick. That's an excellent movie. I bloody love that movie. That's one of those action movies that you could just watch, not over and over again, but you can watch it once a year and it never disappoints. I don't think I've seen it, but I, I really don't like action movies. You must have seen Edge of Tomorrow, it's the one with Emily Blunt in it. I've not seen Predator, so... 
Yeah, but Edge of Tomorrow is a modern film. It's like only lasts like five years or something. The reason why I haven't seen old action movies isn't because I don't have don't don't not have the attention span for them. Although that's another subject. Does anyone actually have the attention span to watch a movie that lasts ninety minutes anymore? No, I can't do it anymore. I, I have to do them in sitting without looking at your phone. Yeah, I'm going to the cinema tomorrow. I'm a little bit nervous of just getting bored. It's Top Gun, though. I'll be fine. Well, you should check out Age of Tomorrow. So what was your question? Your question was just about Top Gun. No, Top, Top Gun's it. fine. You know, it's, it's the classic 80s thing, you know. It's the sort of thing that gets lampooned by, you know, Team America or, or South Park and that sort of thing. Just the classic... 80s action montage. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with 80s montage. It's not. I absolutely loved Bloodsport as a kid and thought it was like really not edgy, but like pretty intense. You know, Jean Claude Van Damme just going around taking names. And then I watched it again, like within the last sort of five years, and it is like super cheesy in places, like super cheesy. And that just completely washed over me at the time. Well, some of it at the time, but also some of it. You obviously have these B-movies. There's a lot of 80s movies that aren't, you know, meant to be B-movies. They are meant to be serious movies, but just of their time, and they just, by today's standards, just seem absolutely mad. I mean, there's this one, Samurai Cop, which... Oh, I've not seen that, but I'd uh, like to see it. Yeah, you've got got to see it. Samurai Cop's my favourite B-movie. I like it more than The Room. Um because they've said the whole time it's this isn't a piss take we're not intentionally making this bad but it's impossible to watch it and not think that anyway that's the that's my rant re talk tom re regarding um tom cruise over i think i think a lot of people love to hate him they don't, he doesn't get the respect he deserves he makes consistently good films and you should go and see his films if you like action movies with there's no caveat. I'm not, I'm, I'm not applying a caveat to my public service announcement. I don't know. He's not a likable person, though. He's not a dislikable person. He's, he's in, in, the, in the grand scheme of the horrific people that are coming out of the bloody woodwork these days, he's, he's not that bad. If you can only have one, Tom Cruise or Kevin Spacey. How, to fight leaving for half one what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, get that, it. Get that's it, that's it. up to you. That's up to you. Tom Cruise. Okay, so you're right, and now here's the real question. So, if you can only have one person's entire back catalogue of work, what are you trying to do? Pick pick someone that I'm going to like more. Are you trying to choose between Denzel and Matt Damon? No, I'm just, I've just, I'm now on Kevin Spacey's IMDb. Yeah, well, what's the best thing that Kevin Spacey did? Probably House of Cards. I don't need to watch. There's it's... nothing that Kevin Spacey's done that I would really want to rewatch in my life. Whereas Tom Cruise does these movies like um, Edge of Tomorrow, for example, I will want to rewatch. Class, that's that's classic. That's classic. You want to have the sort of movies that you can, you know, they're, they're so forgettable <laughs> that 364 days later you can watch it. Be like, wait, have we seen this for the first like half an hour? And then it gets like an hour, and you're like, oh yeah, fuck, we have <laughs> we have seen this. Oh, it's fine. There's a, there's only 10 minutes oh, to go. But man, I rewatched the usual suspects recently and I was just like so effing bored. That's fine. Just, That's fine. You I was just you. like, I know it's gonna happen. I'm not enjoying rewatching this. There's like three good scenes in that movie. Our producer looks horrified. No, but the th- thrillers are great. Psychological dramas and thrillers are amazing, but yeah, they have 
less replayability factor. Do you know what summer means? Well, not the World Cup this year. Love Island. Is it? It will be, yeah. <laughs> I've not watched hardly any other reality TV, but I do enjoy Love Island. Apparently it starts in two weeks, so week after Champions League final. I did read today that the clothes are now by eBay. I don't think they have like specific secondhand stores maybe, you know, because they used to be sponsored by Boohoo and all these sort of things, um, sort of fast fashion. So that'll be an interesting um, being sponsored by eBay to see how that, if that increases more people buying sort of secondhand clothes and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, I'm off on holiday. My holidays in a in about a week, a week on Friday to Croatia. But when I get back, we can uh, we can get beasted right into that. Start the subpod, Love Island. Yeah, if you want. Well, maybe just make it part of this pod, a segment between FPL and Just a Mum. We can talk about Love Island. The thing about Love Island pod is it is on almost every day. So either you do it every day and you actually get people listening to it that are invested in it or it's just not actually that good and you yeah, basically have to release it that that day as well you have to release it before the next episode comes out so it's quite high maintenance although i thought with twitter what we should have done because we used to have the who farted pod we should have just occasionally had like a twitter space with me and phrase and whoever else and just chatted on there and if people wanted to drop in and, and chat great maybe that's the way to do it with Love Island. Love Island. Yeah, either that or you do like a, either a pod or not a pod, some like more like a bite-sized 10-minute. Yeah, another thing is there's just so many out there that it's, it's hard to find your own place in the space, you know, find your voice. TikTok, so would, TikTok would be the best one, actually. Not the best one, but it, it, it's our way. It's not, it's not the only way. Um, you could just do three-minute videos of that. Just, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't use Instagram, so... Maybe, maybe maybe Instagram's the best. I've noticed a lot of people on FPL Twitter have been like, oh, come over to my Instagram, my Instagram stories. So that's my tips for this week. Join us next fortnight on the East Show with your host, Ed Ross.